This episode of Bushwick Breakaway is brought to you by you. Thank you so much for supporting us. And of course, The Athletic for supporting us. And everyone else who, you know, was there from the beginning. Trade deadline coming up in a couple weeks. Fun show with Greg and I today. Let's just get to it, huh? Let's just roll right into it. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Fans, welcome to another week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, as per always. I'm of the Athletic, and Gregory is also of the Athletic, and now he's here to say hello. Greg, say it. Three minutes ago, Ryan. Yes. Leafs public relations. Michael Hutchinson will start in goal for the second period. Frederick Anderson being examined, and his status will be updated shortly. So I went to clap. I stopped myself because smart. I don't. I don't want to root for an injury. I don't root for any injuries. In hockey or in sports, period, end of story. Uh-huh. That's smart. But I am salivating. Yeah, yeah. It, it, everything uh, seems to be coming up Rangers in Toronto, how, huh? How did this work out so, like, let, let, we, we don't know what's happening yet, but right now with, with storylines with the Rangers, what are they? It's We have three goalies. Uh, what's up with Kako? I'm sure we're going to talk a little about that. What's up? What's Tony doing this week? And the trade deadline. The trade deadline is the biggest I, story. Honestly, I think every is every conversation, it just starts and ends with Chris Kreider, right? It, do, it has to. That's just the world we at, live in. At this point. And we have uh, we have a wonderful guest on today, uh, Jeremy Rutherford of the, the Athletic St. Louis. He's going to talk, talk to us about Chris Kreider later and their interest, the St. Louis Blues interest in Chris Kreider. But... Right now, it has to start with Chris Kreider. I mean, his, uh, we'll get to his little uh, his Mika scenario in a second. But this situation for the Rangers could not be working out better. Chris Kreider is the number one, the number one trade target on the market right now because Taylor Hall is off, and Ray Shiro didn't wait at all. So thanks, Shiro, for that, and now Shiro is out of a job. And now, with, with Anderson going down for the Leafs, you have to say to yourself, like, uh... Well, it's not. It's not just. It's not just Anderson. We're not watching the game. We didn't see what happened. That's we don't true. know what's going. That's on. That's true. You're right. But it's. 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 It, it's the combination of clearly something's wrong with Anderson and Kasperi Kapanen seems to be in the Leafs' doghouse. So, you know, it just seems to be lining up for where the Maple Leafs could take a step back and go. You know what? Fuck it. We need Georgiev. Kapanen's doing his thing. There seems to be a marriage here. Why don't we just make it happen? All look, we're just connected dot guys, right? That's we're just us. guys. We just sit back and say all we're saying is we're just saying. And I will buy. How many alarms will we ship to Captain's house if he's a ranger? Like, I, I, look, I, 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 as many as he needs. <laughs> yeah. You know what? No, fuck, fuck it. We're not going to ship him alarms. We're just not going to start practice before one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, we're that's going to be our let thing. the kids sleep. He's tired, yeah. boy. This is this is New York. You can't get anywhere in forty five minutes anyway. Especially you can't get to fucking Westchester. No, practice is going to start at one o'clock if you're on the New York Rangers. Just that's it. It's not that big a deal, you know. Like, it's not that big a deal. I, I, he's like, oh, I, I set two alarms next time. They're flaming them up in Toronto. Like, oh my god. I love it. I love it. Come please, on, come on down, baby. Please. We don't give a shit about you being late. We don't give a shit in New York about you being late because everybody's late in New York. Yeah, it's, that- it's literally it's what we do. It's why the city never sleeps. It's because nobody gets anywhere they want to go on time. You want to be somewhere by five o'clock? You better have left your house at five o'clock the day before. And then you got to go. You got to go to the subway, and all the metro cards are glued 
shut yeah. and you can't, yeah, what, this are you, is, what are you going to do? This is why anytime I would go to a Met game, I would always leave my house at four o'clock. It's not even that I lived far away. It's just like <laughs> something's going to happen. I'd rather, I'd rather it happen now as opposed to it happening yeah. when I'm just trying to give myself barely enough time to get to the I'm game. just trying to get oh, somewhere. Baby, it's New York. Yeah. Shit. Shit's late here all the fucking time. And Welcome. the best part is like when you're on the way, you're bound to see at least three or four shows. Like doesn't matter what it is. There's a lot of people watching and it's the A plus oh. kind. Oh, so, yeah. And that's going to slow you down even more because then you're not even walking as fast as you should. Hey, I'm walking here. Casper, yeah. you're going to fit right in, baby. Yeah, he really is. And he, he wore a little Newsy hat this week. Oh, so cute. Hmm. going to be so good to the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I like fashion. No, I don't. I, I, wear, I, I wear the I, same I pair of jeans every fucking day. I respect it. All right, well, let's let's get into the meat of what we really need to talk about today. My winning Super Bowl bets. Oh, yeah, so uh, your eight prop bets you won, right? Eight, eight, I, went eight, I went eight and seven, which, you know, I finished up 60 bucks uh, we'll take that every a little, day. that's and i relate that to the rangers that's pretty much like how the record's going to be at the end of the season right outside of the top 10 picks but you you know what's you know what's funny about the rangers Tell and well, well that's that's uh super bowl bets with greg by the way thank you Appreciate for coming it. to my uh ted talk mm-hmm. thank god that first half ended in a tie that's all i'm gonna say anyway the best part about this rangers two-game win streak against the red wings obviously they're tied at two right now two, against the stars can you call it i mean it's a two-game win streak okay, it is. yeah it is a two, it, they won two games right therefore uh, it is a streak my like favorite thing just real quick to interrupt you uh is when people were like should we send kako down to the ahl like what do you think this is it's the exact same thing <laughs> <laughs> uh, um no, the best part about it is they beat the red wings uh back to back and their playoff odds dropped <laughs> like, like they they went into those games at about 15 percent, and then today michael mccurdy posted his uh projections and the rangers are down to 12 yeah I th- it's like i think it's I like saw congratulations one... you got the four points that everyone in this league expected you to get oh by the way your points don't matter it's the fact that there are literally eight teams ahead of you in the metro that you need to worry about so it doesn't even matter what the rangers do it matters entirely what the flyers and the blue jackets and the penguins and the capitals and the hurricanes and the islanders <laughs> like it matters what those teams do what the rangers do Really, they could win. They could win out, and it still doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it's it's a good team too. Which is people were like, "Oh, this team's good enough for the playoffs." I think there's a lot of years where the Rangers are good enough to make the playoffs if they didn't sell off and they held on to Chris Kreider. And who knows if they will or not at this point? They, they're definitely selling him off. Um, but this year the, the Metro is just too strong. Just the whole thing. Too good. It's too, too good. What do you what do you want? To, I think I saw a, a chart last week, Chart Boys, that was like the Rangers have a two percent chance. I was like, okay, yeah, that was that was the. Uh... Uh, I think money puck. Yeah, sure. The money puck chart was like ra- playoff Ranger playoff chance for the Rangers two percent. It was like great. And then people keep asking Vince and Rick and all that. Like, do you think this, this team has a chance to make the playoffs? Yeah. No. In like just... in like two thousand like twelve and like thirteen maybe. Like yeah, they they quite honestly they just it's it, it we're all acting as if like destiny is in the Rangers' hands, right? That's the, obviously the situation you want to be in. It's there's so many teams. There are two teams ahead of the Rangers that also probably won't make the playoffs. So, like, not only do the Rangers have to catch the playoff teams, they have to then catch that next ring of teams that are better than the Rangers right now who also aren't going to be good enough to make the playoffs. Like, the Flyers are on pace to have about 96, 97, 98 points, and they're a 50-50 shot at making the playoffs. That is miserable. The Rangers, the Rangers we're not even on a 90-point pace right now. Meanwhile. And the, the team – the team that is literally two to three wins off a 100-point place, not guaranteed to make the playoffs. Really struggling up there. So it's like, it's it's guys, it's, we can sit here and tell you how decent the New York Rangers are playing, 
how this core roster is entertaining, how these guys are fun to watch. That's all great and good. You got to take a hard look at the situation the New York Rangers are currently in and just understand that the math is working against the Rangers significantly. There's just too many things that you desperately need to go right for the New York Rangers to make the playoffs. And nobody, nobody's that lucky. No, we're not going to get the St. Louis, St. Louis Blues every year. Yeah, you. You're, and part you're of the reason why the St. Louis Blues, but part of the reason why the St. Louis Blues, St. Louis, St. Louis, St. Louis Blues. Part of the reason that team that maybe I don't know plays in Kansas, possibly whatever it's called. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, um, <laughs> the only reason that team happens is because the Western Conference was weak. The Metropolitan just isn't weak. Well, they're all really good. Say, speaking of the Western Conference, all right, uh, how many points without looking right now do the the Golden Knights have? I think what is it, 64, 65? 61 points, dude. Like, that's a really good team. And like they're really not that far ahead of like the Rangers have 54, but the they're like the third the Flyers have 63. And the Golden Knights are third in their conference, in their division, I mean, in the Pacific. And the, and the Flyers, I think, are either on the eighth spot or are looking on the outside. It's ridiculous. In. Poor Sharks, by the way. They're screwed. Um, yeah, well, they had a good run. Did they? It's a good It's a good thing they didn't, like, lock up all their aging stars or anything. Uh, like, that's a team that could rebuild on the fly, for sure. Very Ranger-esque of them to go to so many finals and just keep losing. Um, it, oh, yeah, Seriously, no. No, the feeling. The the West is just so much weaker than the East on, on at all levels, and it's just it's just not the Rangers' fault. They're a good team. They have an MVP candidate. Uh, you know, it, Panarin's not going to win the MVP, but he's got seventy one points right now. That's ridiculous. I mean, I think uh, the the league le- the team leader last year was Mika Zibanejad with like like sixty or something at the end of the year. Zibanejad, by the way, is on pace for about seventy five points of his own. Yeah, so we're, it's we have great players. The goal goal is good. The defense has gotten better. We've been a middle of the road team in the last like three weeks. Team's good, yeah, but it's just I, not uh, good enough. I, it's funny you bring up the point leaders because I think Panarin's fifth in the league, and uh, Dom Luchusen, who I, I think that's how you say it. Sure, I yeah, apologize sure. if it's not. There are a lot. There are a lot of letters that don't make any sense being next to each other in his last. Maybe day. we could talk to but Dom one day. Hard. We'll request him. That'd be fun. I I, th- I I I think I have talked to Dom. You just weren't around. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, that was the day I wasn't there. Right. Yep. Yeah, sure was. Okay. That's that's the one. That's why you don't remember it. Yep. Uh, Anyway, Don posted his uh, point leader projections, and he's like, oh, uh, Dreisaitl took the lead from McDavid this week because he's had 22 points in his last 11 games. <laughs> I was like, what? What? <laughs> how, how is this very casually going al- around in the NHL where we're not – like we we gush about Artemi Panera and the fact that he's on like a point and a half per game pace. And then <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl is just like, oh, by the way, literally the last 11 games, I'm averaging two points a night. Yeah. Fuck, fuck you, dude. What do you mean? And What do you mean you've po- scored 22 points in the last 11 games? And, uh, and again, the Oilers aren't exactly ripping it up. They have 62 points right now. They're not even first in their division. The Canucks are. Nope. So it's... Oilers if, it, Oilers, if you want to add more scoring, call us up, baby. Yeah, I got your number, babe. Uh, it's it's been an interesting week. I mean, the the Detroit games were like nothing burgers, right? I mean, they they went according to plan, right? If anything, no, they I, didn't. Because the second game where Henrik like had to have a shutout against a are really you kidding me. That's that's not going according to plan in your mind. Yes, that's the most according to plan thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. The it, Rangers, it was closer, a team playing, it was a team playing an American Hockey League team. Yes, had to had to eke out a one goal win 
because Henrik stood on his head. <laughs> yeah, that's the most Henrik thing I've ever heard okay. in my entire life. When you put it that way, like when you put it in the context of uh, Henrik Lundqvist games, then yes, that it is a very yes. Henrik Lundqvist game because it should not have been that close. The other should game, Panarin just took his, you know, what out and put it on the table. And that's uh, what I believe. I believe. I believe the the legal term is uh, penis. Yes, I think that's the scientific term is what we're yeah. using. Yeah, but yes. e- but look, e- Igor played well, right? So no one's had a bad performance in those two games but at the same time nobody should have had a bad performance in those two games because again they were playing an american hockey league team and we're so, recording right now um in the middle of the stars ranger game it's the second period with uh, i believe 13 minutes left two two there's there was kind of like a weird goal for uh, that i don't even know if it was a goal was reviewed but they they labeled a goal seems like no to me uh, and Henrik let up like one mini softy, but I don't think he's played bad. He's had a, a couple of great saves tonight, so I don't know. He's definitely getting the bench next game. I'll tell you that. Unless the only way Hank was was starting the next game after this was with another the, the shutout. There's no, uh, there's uh, no if the if the Rangers win this game, they might keep him in. Quinn well, Quinn really Quinn doesn't so like taking Quinn. He doesn't like taking people out of you've won the game before, which to a point I can respect, mm-hmm. but it, it just it kind of furthers my belief that like. Quinn and Gorton are not, it's not that they're not on the same page. I think they're in the same book, but reading different chapters. If this, I'll try and explain my way through this. Please do. I, I, I think Gorton understands the big picture. And I think part of Gorton understanding the big picture was hiring a coach who could both juggle a rebuilding situation, but also treat every game as if it, it's, like do or die. I, I think Gorton is happy that Quinn is treating this current run of games from the Rangers as must win games, must competes, have to get all the points, have to keep us in the playoff picture. I think Gorton's very happy. That's where Quinn's mind's at all while understanding that Gorton is going to sell off. I think if, he has if, to know. Yeah. But I like it on one hand, we live in a we you and I live in a, a, a predominantly baseball world where more and more and more the front office is lockstep with what the manager wants to do, or more importantly, the manager is lockstep with what the front office wants to do. So if the priority is making the playoffs, everyone's on the same page. If the priority is rebuilding, everyone's on the same page. In hockey, I just don't think that lockstep exists. I think Gorton has a clear five-year plan that he's in year three of. Whereas Quinn understands that while it won't be seen as a failure against him if the Rangers don't make the playoffs, it, it's his goal to make the playoffs. And he's going to do everything he possibly can to make the playoffs. I just, I don't think Quinn, Gorton feels the same way. And I think it's obvious Gorton doesn't feel the same way because as much as we hear that, as much as Elliot Freeman can say, oh, Kreider might be willing to do X, Y, and Z. You want to know why Friedman's hearing that, Ryan? Because that's what that. Kreider's, yeah, by his by Kreider's agent. Yes, like he's not being told that by Gordon. If Gordon had interest in keeping Chris Kreider here long term, you know what they'd be having with Chris Kreider right now? Discussions. Contract talks. Yes, yeah, they'd be talking about it. I keep They're seeing not this talking about it. I keep seeing this um, novel idea that Chris Kreider will come back to New York because he loves it so much here, and he'll take a, t- a homegrown a homegrown discount. I just I don't mean, maybe. see that happening. Like I, I mean, like maybe I like Chris a lot. I don't know. I don't even think Gordon does that. Maybe he does. I, I, I think if if it's going to be a test on Kreider. If he really wants to stay, I don't see the deal being longer than four years. I don't see the deal being richer than six and a half million dollars. 
Now, if that's something that Chris Kreider truly wants to do, more power to him. But if you're Chris Kreider, no, this way. is your one time to cash in those chips. You get you you've watched lesser players than you, severely lesser players than you, get paid seven 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 x seven. Brock Nelson, seven x seven. Like just I mean, Anders Lee got is going to get more than fucking what the Rangers would want to give Kreider. Kreider, you smoke Anders Lee, so my dude, get your bag. Yeah, it, it's I love it's, you, buddy. I it I I I get it, and obviously this is all building to a crescendo. Because and we talked, we we jokingly mentioned how everything right now is Chris Kreider related, Chris Kreider all the time, and it it sounds great that Kreider, uh, it, it looked like a terrible injury when we saw it. Oh. He skated this morning. The fact that he was even a game time decision, I know he's not playing tonight. That was always the right decision not to play him tonight. Give him a fucking game, guys. What the hell? It might. Be. He literally looked like he was out cold. When Mika hit him with the and knee. And he was like his body went limp. Yeah. He could, he could so barely like, skate. Yeah, don't play him tonight. That's fine. But I I, I hear the crescendo building. You know, we, we have the Brooks article saying what one thing one week, one thing the other week. Uh, our good friend, our Uncle Rick. <laughs> the Rangers wrote an ar- article. Chris Kreider right now. Like, okay, Larry. Yeah, Rick, Rick <laughs> wrote an article being like, look, I understand that it's going to be nearly impossible to do it, but the Rangers should extend Chris Kreider. You, this is what we're all building to, and we've done this dance before with many players, Zuccarello, McDonough, Hayes, Nash. You go down the list. We've had this discussion over the last two years. I I truly think if the New York Rangers had plans to keep Chris Kreider long-term, it's February 3rd today. They would have been talking before this time. And the fact that it other teams are clearly interested, we keep hearing how uh, many other teams are interested. teams are interested. Eight. At least, Ryan. The word you're the, the phrase you're forgetting in there is at least. That's a and lot. then not not just not just that, but you know, the Rangers keep sending scouts places. I get that they would be doing that anyway, but the volume in which these scouts are going to is significant. Guys, I just I will I be if the Rangers can find a way to extend Chris Kreider, I just hope everyone understands that you can't extend everyone. And maybe, maybe, and it's quite possibly. They extend Kreider and find the money for Mika Zibanejad. I don't think it's necessary one without the other. But I guarantee you, if you extend Chris Kreider, you've taken Tony D'Angelo definitely off the plate. That's a guy you're going year to year with. And again, I'm of the opinion they should probably be doing that anyway. Um, you've taken Ryan Strom off the plate. I don't even know. You could probably keep Strom for one more year. But if you extend Kreider, you're eating into a lot uh, uh, you're eating into a lot of your cap space. You're I just, want to take what you just, the noises you made and sample them into a rap song because they were good. Yeah, it's just, you're taking, you're eating, <laughs> that's six and a half million dollars. The Rangers don't, they have a good amount of cap space and I get that there aren't exactly a lot of sexy free agents available no, next not. year, but when you only have $17 million in cap space or give or take, and I think that's where the Rangers are around and you're putting about 40% of that into one guy, it will be impossible for the Rangers to extend or even not even extend, just agree to one-year deals with D'Angelo Lemieux, Georgiev, and Strom. Two of those guys are gone if you keep Chris Kreider. And you can make a good argument that maybe two of those guys should be gone anyway. It's just, I hope everyone understands that if, if you keep one person, it doesn't mean you're keeping everybody. It just means you're keeping that person for sure. And sure, if the Rangers don't trade anyone right now, I mean, if you if, you're, if they make the decision to keep Kreider, I hate to say it, but Jesper Foss is gone the next day. Like you can't bring Foss back too. I just don't. So it's, I I uh, I don't want to even have this conversation. 
Yeah, I hear, I hear it now when you do it. Yeah, I do it. There's no way we keep Chris Kreider, especially when the market is this favorable towards the Rangers. There's no better time than now. And are you going to get a better player than Chris Kreider in return? Absolutely not. But this next year's draft is loaded. The first two rounds are insane. And if you can get a first-round draft pick plus a, plus a great prospect, maybe not from St. Louis but from someone else, you have to do that. You have to. And then have if Kreider wants to come back, by all means, Chris, try and go win a chip. Come back. We could talk again. I'll try and get you a, a, the best deal possible, and then we'll go. We'll go from there. But right now, with the Rangers making having mathematically almost no chance to make the playoffs, you have to trade Chris Kreider. You have to. There's no other way. Yeah, we're we're big future value boys, and I I don't. This isn't the Blue Jackets scenario where they kept all their pieces to make a playoff run. We're so far removed from the playoff run that I don't know how you can justify keeping all these pieces. I get if you don't want to trade your restricted free agents, you can. We've we've made it, right? We've discussed it. There are ex- perfectly acceptable arguments to say more people will be interested in Tony D'Angelo and Alex Georgiev in June than they will be today, and you can get more back for them because everyone else's cap situation will be more flexible than it is currently today. That's fine. With, with Chris Kreider, you're not trading him in June. Like if you're going to get anything from Chris Kreider. You're getting something for him in the next couple of weeks. And I, as much as it pains to say, with or without Chris Kreider, the New York Rangers are not a playoff team this year. And if you want to talk about, is Chris Kreider going to help the New York Rangers next year? We can have that conversation in the summer when he's a free agent and you can be free to sign him. It's, it makes to it look, and it's not like this is a far-fetched scenario, right? We're in, we live in New York. The most famous scenario in which this happened is a New York scenario in the last five years where the Yankees not only ended up with Aroldis Chapman, they also ended up with Glaber Torres. Well, the second now most they're... famous uh, uh, version of this is also a New York story, Gregory. It's Carmelo Anthony. Like that guy. Right, right, right. We're, we're talking about the good and the bad of the same story, right? The good of the scenario is you trade Chapman for a top prospect, knowing that Chapman's coming back. And the bad is you make a trade for a player that was coming to you anyway, because that player put a gun to your head and said, you need to give me more money. Like you, you just named the two examples where it's the same side of the same. It's this different side of the same coin. Like if Chris Kreider really wants to stay in New York, fantastic. Then Chris Kreider needs to understand the best thing he can do for the New York Rangers is leave on sabbatical for four months and come back in the summer. Yeah, if you want to be here and you want you're, you're willing to take less money, a la Zuccarello, who by the way, so glad I got paid and got his five years, and that's the reason why he's not a Dallas star right now, which sucks for us. You can come back. We'll figure it out. We'll figure the numbers out. We're not going to give you seven years. We're probably not giving you six years. We might give you five, but there's no way we go more than we go more than five. That's just it. I I think the Rangers would want. I think the Rangers want four, and I think Chris wants rightfully at least six. He should want six. The, the thing is, some that's the thing. Someone's going to give him six. Oh it, yeah. Like if he Chris if he reaches the open market, we we talk about this a little bit with Jeremy Rutherford coming up about how it's. It's hard to think of if, if Chris Kreider was on the trade market last year. Maybe we're not talking about him in the scenario where the Rangers get a first-round pick and a prospect because, you know, teams could have shopped for the Mark Stones, the Matt Duchesne's. People thought the Artemi Panarins were available on the trade market. So you weren't getting this kind of return for a guy who, quite honestly, is not on that tier. But the trade market is set up in a way where Chris Kreider is the big fish. And if you're the New York Rangers and you own the big fish – 
and you don't own that owe that fish money next year, man, I don't know how you don't trade it in for something that you can build around in the future. Is there a bigger like it, hero? It doesn't make sense. Is there a bigger hero this year for the Rangers than Ray Shiro? I don't think so. Don't he think did the so Rangers either. the big he did the Rangers the biggest favor in the world where he also didn't get a whole lot for Taylor Hall where like all these teams feel like they can now do work with the Rangers and feel like they don't have to give up the entire farm, but they're still going to have to give up a first and a prospect. If Chris, Cry- Chris Kreider is not getting traded for a second round pick, it's not, it's not happening. No, it's not. There will be a suitor that will give a first. I just, I strongly feel that way. I was surprised. I was actually flabbergasted when Kevin Hayes got a first, especially because the trade market was sort of so dead last year, but this year, Kreider is the number one asset, and there are a lot of teams that can make a, make a run here. And Kreider is going to be needed. You're going to give a first. That's all it is. I don't think it's unreasonable. I don't think it's a weird ask. With 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 Zuccarello, I mean, it was conditional, but it was, a, it was like a lot to ask a first. With Hayes, I was surprised. With Kreider, it's a no-brainer. I think that's yeah. it. Yeah, especially if he's healthy. And it, it all signs point to him. The fact that he was... He wasn't quite a healthy scratch tonight, but it, it sure sounded like the Rangers Can gave we it just talk about the Rangers and hurting other Rangers? There's just such a weird history with it. A tradition, a tradition like it's other. it's like I was tweeting about uh the Mika and Kreider bromance and how wonderful it is, and then immediately, immediately, uh, Mika knees him directly in the head. I was like, Okay, great. That's awesome. And McDonough's talked about all the times he admires Henrik Lundqvist, takes his mask up, gets hit right in the neck. Like, good times. Awesome. Uh, also, Zuccarello in the head, losing the ability to speak. I believe that was also a Ranger that shot that. So, yeah, awesome. Awesome times. Uh, Want to go to our interview with Jeremy? We'll come back to some five-star questions. Let's do it. Transition. A little bit of a, a DraftKings ad first. Here we go. DraftKings. Oh. Ad tra- oh, hey. Transition. The big game might be over, but the action isn't slowing down just yet. There's plenty happening on the rink. It's a hockey podcast, after all, on the court and on the field. Get on the action tonight with DraftKings Sportsbook app. Just one football, just one football season ends. Just as one football season ends, another begins. Celebrate the kickoff of a new professional football season starting this weekend with DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Plus. They have great promos and odd boosts each and every day of the week. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is the American top-rated sportsbook. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code QUICK for a limited time. All users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. $1,000. Don't forget to enter code QUICK and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years old or supply. New Jersey only. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and first bet match up each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbooks for details. Gambling problem call. One hundred gambler. Back to the show. Hey, we're back with our first guest of the day. Actually, our only guest. We have Jeremy Rutherford. He's our co-worker at the Athletic St. Louis. He's a beat writer or, or writer for the Blues. Jeremy, say hello. Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks so much for coming on. I guess I have to ask. I don't really know how Missouri works, um, really. Are you guys celebrating the uh, the Kansas City? <laughs> That's a little bit of a convoluted question. I'll give you the quickest, most concise, uh, clear answer. Uh, there are a lot of Kansas City Chiefs fans in St. Louis. However, uh, the way that the Rams left, uh, a lot of people are down on the NFL. And secondly, the uh, Chiefs ownership uh, was one of the ownership groups that kind of allowed and voted for the Rams to leave St. Louis. So mm. uh, some foot, football fans here in St. Louis find it hard to uh, cheer for the Chiefs, but 
uh, I watched the game. I like the Chiefs, and so yeah, I, I thought that uh, it was good to see them win. I legit. Yeah, it's it's one of those it's one of those weird things where it's like, is St. Louis happier that the Chiefs won or happier that the Rams lost last year? <laughs> I think way 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 happier that the uh, Rams lost That's last year. Amazing. You will find uh, next to no Rams fans in St. Louis. Wow. I didn't realize it was going to be that bad, but I guess you take your sports team and just totally leave it for a stadium in L.A., then that's really unforgivable. I guess if the Rangers left, I would never get over it. Yeah, and I don't want to get too detailed on you here, but the team was saying for several years that they were trying to work in good faith with the city to get a new stadium and stay here when uh, after the move to L.A. happened, uh, there were documents, phone calls, conversations, everything that came out. Uh, that said that uh, it had been a long, long time uh, that uh, the Rams had their eyes on L.A. and were kind of talking out of uh, both sides of their mouth. Well, at, at this point, sports. yeah, definitely sports. <laughs> I guess we did bring you on to talk hockey and not football in this case, and I appreciate yep. you giving us the history lesson there because I, I seriously didn't know, and I'm now I'm educated a little bit at least. Uh, I, a little bit. Now. The, the name that everyone's going to bring up to you is Chris Kreider. Um, he's obviously – if not the number one target, very close to the top for uh, at least eight teams as reported to today. Tell me about the St. Louis Blues' interest in Chris Kreider and and what they uh, what they could see in him with the Tarasenko injury pretty much hampering them for a lot of the season. Not that they've been a bad team. Yeah, it's a unique situation because of the Tarasenko injury. So for those uh, not familiar with uh, what's been going on here in St. Louis, uh, Tarasenko goes down. 10 games into the regular season back in October with a shoulder injury. Uh, he needed a surgery. So they say that he's out five to six months and that timetable uh, brings him back the last week of the regular season or early in the playoffs. And obviously you guys know with shoulder uh, surgeries, you just don't know. I mean, it could be five months, it could be six. And, and so they don't know. And then obviously with a franchise player, uh, you don't want to push them and, and uh, put them in a bad spot. So, with that said, the Blues have been lacking a Vladimir Tarasenko or however you want to look at it, top six forward uh, for most of the season. They have surprised us by playing as well as they have and, and leading the Western Conference at this point without Tarasenko. They play a real strong uh, team game, but I think there's a hole up there. And so Doug Armstrong recently told uh, Pierre Lebron and Scott Burnside on the two-man advantage podcast that uh, he could hey. see the Blues being in the market for a top six forward. So at this point, that's where it stands. Obviously, Chris Kreider is one of the top names uh, available. And so that's why people are connecting the dots between uh, the Blues and Chris Kreider. Yeah, let's, it, it's an interesting situation that I'm happy you're on here to talk to us about because in, in one instance, the Blues make a perfect trade partner for the Rangers, right? It's, it's a clear playoff team in clear need of a top six forward, specifically on the wing, specifically one that could provide some high upside scoring at the same time, the St. Louis blues are the one team in the NHL that could kind of take a step back and say, do we need to go all in this year just because we have to defend the cup or can we kind of rest on our laurels a little bit and just say, we won the cup last year. Let's roll the dice with what we have. No matter what happens, everyone's still kind of in the honeymoon phase. It, do you think the blues are in the unique situation where there's actually less pressure on them to make a deadline move because they have last year's cup in the cupboard. 
Yeah, and I don't want to ride the fence, and I won't, but I think you can look at it both ways. You can say they won the cup, rest on their laurels, uh, don't go all in this year, especially because of the Tarasenko thing. Like, hypothetically, you trade for Chris Kreider, and then Tarasenko doesn't come back at all, or he comes back and he's a shell of himself. Was it really worth going all in and giving up a big uh, package for Kreider, and then he's gone, and then now you're without the first rounder and potentially a prospect? So you could definitely make that case. However, uh, the Blues and Doug Armstrong talk about the window, the championship window. I know all teams that win a cup, that, that's what they talk about. You know, do you have two more years, three more years where you could try to win another cup? And nobody, you know, knows what the next couple of years bring. For example, Alex Petrangelo's UFA also, do they re-sign him? You know, if they say to themselves, we're not going to pay for Chris Kreider and we're not going to go all in this year, and then they lose an Alex Petrangelo, and then they, you know, don't have a great shot uh, next year. You know, did you put yourself in the best possible position uh, to win? So maybe that makes the case for going all in uh, this year. So I think those are the big questions that they have to uh, to answer. Everything I've read about Chris Kreider and what the Rangers are sort of, I don't want to say demanding or at least asking for, is some sort of B-level prospect in a first-round pick. Is that something you think the St. Louis Blues would feel comfortable parting with for the, the rental that is Chris Kreider? Yeah, I talked to Pierre a little bit before he uh, wrote the piece. Pierre Lebrun, uh, it's up at The Athletic today. Uh, he's playing matchmaker and putting together these uh, trade concepts. And the one that you guys are probably referring to and you read today is uh, Kreider to the Blues uh, for a first-round pick and Jordan Cairo. You know, Blues fans obviously reacted how, uh, you know, I thought they, they could react, some of them, saying that you're crazy. But, hey, listen, if he's the, the top available guy, you're going to have to give up the first-round pick. And like you guys said, it's going to be a, a B-plus prospect. So uh, is Jordan Kyrou an A prospect? Is he is he a B-plus? He's somewhere in there. He's a guy, you know, I don't know how much uh, homework you guys have done on him, but uh, just a speed demon. And right now he's trying to figure it out at the NHL, NHL level in terms of uh, winning puck battles and, and being consistent and aggressive every single night. So he's been in and out of the lineup for the Blues here recently because he's still trying uh, to figure it out. But he's got a, a ton of upside. If I had my guess, I do not think Doug Armstrong would trade a first-round pick and Jordan Cairo. I think that um, uh, the Blues probably consider him you know, a, a high-end prospect, whatever you want to label it, A, B+. Plus. And I think they'd try to uh, move somebody with a little less uh, ceiling than a Jordan Cairo. Uh, but I do think that uh, Doug Armstrong knows uh, the price he's going to have to pay. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be something that he's probably comfortable with, but he knows that he's going to have to add somebody like a Chris Kreider, a Tyler Toffoli uh, to that group of top six and, and enhance uh, the team's chances. I was I was going to ask it because the the position that makes this trade deadline so unique for the Rangers is we're we're not living in a world where like the Mark Stones of the world or the Matt Duchesnes or I mean even though he ended up staying the Artemi Panarin's of the world they're not they're not getting dangled at this deadline so while Chris Kreider maybe the last two deadlines wouldn't have been the top option available we're living in a world where now all of a sudden Kreider is the one a option for all these teams. If the blues sit out on Kreider, do you think there's a player available? I know you mentioned to Foley who could actually push the blues over the top, or is this, 
Is this a situation where you're looking at this Blues roster, you're looking at the possibility that Tarasenko is not ready to go for the playoffs? Is this a situation where the Blues need this Chris Kreider in order for them to make the run that they want? Well, you just nailed it. And, and that's what I've been telling people here in St. Louis that, you know, is, is Chris Kreider the, the Panarin or whichever example you want to use where, you know, everybody just has to have him. Like a Taylor Hall, prior to him getting dealt, uh, he generated a lot of interest. And, and Kreider's probably not that player, but he's still a really good player. And he's still worthy of being mentioned as the top one or two guys available in the class. And so it doesn't matter what everybody thinks he's worth he's going to be worth what everybody is willing to pay. So, you know, will Chris Kreider push the blues over the edge and make them the hands-on favorite to repeat as cup champions? Probably not just because he's not necessarily that type of player, but I think the blues already have a really good thing here in St. Louis. Doug Armstrong has built this team where it's not one or two stars, even though they do have a Tarasenko. Uh, You're talking about uh, what he likes to say is, he pays a lot of guys really handsomely, but doesn't necessarily, you know, pay, uh, you, you know, the superstar paycheck like we see with a McDavid or, or those types of guys. Uh, so you'll, you have a Braden Shen, you have a Jaden Schwartz, uh, you, you have those types of guys. Um, so I think what Chris Kreider does is he's a really good player, comes in, 20 goal scorer. He's got the size. He can play on that left wing with Ryan O'Reilly and David Braun, who have unbelievable chemistry. Uh, the two of them, uh, I think he does make them significantly better, uh, but at the cost that it's probably going to take, that does he put you right into that, uh, you know, uh, conversation about the Blues are absolutely hands down the team to beat. Well, let's talk a little bit about the season for the Blues in general. Right now they have an eight-point lead on the Avalanche for the uh, Central Division lead. Obviously they were the Stanley Cup champions last year. Had they haven't really slowed down. They kind of remind me of the uh, of the Toronto Raptors of the NBA side, where they're still a very, very good team. Like you said before, this team has still a chance to make the Stanley Cup, and Greg has pointed out that maybe going all in isn't isn't the best case. But has this season sort of been a surprise that they're still so good yet again, even though they won the Cup? Because the start of last year was not so good, uh, and a lot of our fans I know listen mostly to or know mostly about the uh, Eastern side of hockey. Yeah, no, I, here's something, you know, I've been covering the blues for 15 plus years and, you know, they didn't have a lot of team success. The the trip to uh, the Western conference finals in 16, that was the furthest uh, that they had been since 2001. So when people talk about learning what it takes to win and the Chicago Blackhawks know what it takes to win, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins know what it takes to win. I always kind of looked at that like as a cliche. And even though you could kind of understand the concept, I didn't really witness it on an everyday basis. But watching the Blues win the Stanley Cup and what they had to go through in the breaks and, you know, make your own breaks and, you know, come back in games and, and just keep persevering night after night for, you know, four rounds. I now know what everybody's talking about because when I watch this Blues team this year, they go into games against teams and rosters that have more skill and they're probably better than, but they just have that knowledge from last year. And you can see them apply it in games because they'll get down one or two goals, but they just keep sticking to the system. And it it had a good payoff last year. So it's got that positive reinforcement. And so they, they just keep playing their game. And, you know, it's interesting that I'm doing the podcast with you guys because it was Henrik Lundqvist who said a couple weeks ago, 
you know, after the Blues played the Rangers, that, you know, they just know when to chip, know when to chase, know when to put the puck here or there. And, and I think that was a perfect explanation of why the Blues are so successful is that they just on most nights uh, stick to the system. So um, I think that's what's happened here in St. Louis is uh, it has been a surprise that they're tops in the West and they've been running top three in the league all year long. Um, but it really shouldn't be a surprise because Craig Berube has really instilled in them uh, the way that this team needs to play, and they just keep doing it. Now, Jeremy, Ryan kind of mentioned it without going into too many details about it. The Blues currently eight points up on the Colorado Avalanche in the division. Obviously, the team that we've heard most connected to Kreider besides St. Louis are the same Colorado Avalanche. Is this a scenario where the Blues may see Kreider as a two-for-one in one way, as in not only is this the guy to perfectly fit what we lack currently, but also we're keeping him from going to maybe the biggest threat we have in our own division. Yeah, it's a good question, good way to look at it. I'm sure that that's going through Doug Armstrong's mind a little bit when he's considered what his uh, plans are. Uh, And especially, you know, the Blues had uh, Colorado's number there for a little while. They beat the Abs in six straight meetings, but uh, the Abs have got them the last two games, and those are, you know, recent. Those are uh, the past couple weeks. Uh, The Abs have have really uh, beat them badly. Um, So they're they're definitely a threat. The only kind of answer I can give you on that question is Doug Armstrong's not going to overpay, and he will wait and wait and wait until he gets a deal that's that's uh i don't want to say favorable because he likes when both teams kind of win the trade uh but uh he'll wait until it makes sense and if it doesn't make sense he won't make the deal you know you saw the blues trade with uh, buffalo for ryan o'reilly you know we saw what the package was they had been talking about that trade for months and months and months and then finally uh picks up the phone on the day of free agency and says you know, after it looked like the deal was off and says, okay, well, how about this? And then they figured it out and Doug got his deal. Um, You know, I've done the homework on this stat and I believe it to be true. I never want to pass off bad information. Um, So, you know, I I believe this to be true. Uh, Doug Armstrong took over in 2010 and I believe he's the only GM, you know, that's still with the team not to execute a buyout. We're talking going on nine or 10 years now. You know, they've had a couple bad contracts um, like a Yuri Laterra, but he moved it to uh, Philadelphia. Um, so he's never had a buyout. So he, because it's a mid-market, you know, I know they've spent to the cap, uh, but it's not a market that can necessarily spend to the cap if Doug Armstrong's just doing things willy-nilly. He's done a tremendous job with contracts, with trades, and if stuff doesn't make sense, he won't do it. So uh, could the Avs getting Kreider, could that push the Blues to be, uh, a little more persistent, it could, but it's not going to push them to the point where Doug Armstrong just gives up the farm. The way you just described Doug makes me feel like there's no way Kreider gets traded to the St. Louis Blues. And I, earlier, I was very <laughs> excited by reading the article in the Athletic, like, oh, this is a this is a real thing, a first round pick in this prospect that seems quite intriguing. Um, and the way you just described everything with the seven other teams involved, I just think he's going to be too patient. I mean, we'll find out in very a uh, couple weeks here, but. Boy, it's a, it certainly does seem like uh, Doug will hold back because he's going to wait for the perfect deal, and he might not get it when it comes to Jeff Gordon. Not that Jeff Gordon is a wizard uh, when it comes to trades, but he did trade Ryan Spooner for pretty much uh, Ryan Strom, so that was a nice nice win by him. 
<laughs> with with the Blues, say say you're, you're a Ranger fan out there, you don't really watch a lot of the Blues, other than Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly, who's the player that uh, that that fans should watch out for? Yeah, there's a, a few of them. Um, you know, Jaden Schwartz is just a guy who's uh, consistent. Uh, Braden Chen plays physical, exactly how the Blues want him to play. I would say if you're looking out for a guy to watch, Robert Thomas, second year uh, forward, they've got him playing his natural position center now. And he, he's just got the, the skating and the vision. And, you know, he gains the zone like uh, like like nobody else on this uh, roster. So, so he's the guy. And I've actually gotten some phone calls from some New York media asking about the availability of Robert Thomas and a potential Kreider deal. And, you know, sorry to say that uh, that, that wouldn't fly. I, I think Robert Thomas is a – untouchable he's a foreseeable uh, number one number two center for the blues long term with uh, ryan o'reilly so uh, robert thomas i guess would be my answer for that question i i guess to really bring this home here jeremy if we're saying there's going to be a marriage a trade marriage between the rangers and the blues in your estimation it's probably the rangers that have to come back down to the blues level if we're using pierre's trade model today which was Cairo in the first round pick is your best guess that that first has to then become maybe conditional upon a Kreider re-signing in order for it to become a true first? I think it could be, um, but I'll say this. I don't know. I think that's why the Blues would be interested in Kreider because he's a UFA. Not to say that they wouldn't want him beyond this season, but their cap space is limited next year and moving forward, and they're going to have to, if they want to re-sign Petrangelo, to $8.5 million. AAV. So can they take on a, a Kreider contract next year too? I, I don't think that they can. So um, it might be that they look at a situation like that as a, a strict rental player, uh, which obviously doesn't do much for the, the package, you know, if, if it comes with an extension and then the Blues add a Kairou, you know, and a first round pick. Um, and then so to answer the question, the way you phrased it, you know, are the Rangers going to take a pick that's conditional goes from a second to a first? I don't think they're going to have to because I think they're going to get a first round pick. So, you know, I still think the Blues are a good, you know, candidate. I think something could happen. I think Doug Armstrong could surprise everybody. Uh, he could be thinking differently than I'm explaining um, to you guys. You know, it just all depends on uh, what he hears from the doctors and trainers uh, and Tarasenko, they're going to meet on February 15th, and uh, that's nine days before the trade deadline. So whatever he hears on that, I think, is going to play a role in, in how much he decides to pay for somebody to uh, to bring him in. So um, one last thing I think we also have to keep in mind is Doug Armstrong works in stealth mode. This is no disrespect to any of the national uh, you know, reporters, but rarely do you see anybody uh, out in front of a Doug Armstrong trade, the Justin Falk, Joel Edmondson trade just fell out of the sky. Uh, he, he really works closely behind the scenes and uh, people in his uh, inner circle are, are really tight lipped. So, um, you know, same thing, uh, even though we knew about the O'Reilly trade, the fact that uh, it broke on, on the day that it did uh, was kind of surprising. So uh, anyway, all I'm trying to say, we could sit here and paint a picture where Doug Armstrong won't pay a price or the Blues might not be a uh, you know, a suitable uh, trade partner like we think they are. And then all of a sudden we're hearing about a Kreider to St. Louis deal. So I wouldn't put it past Doug. Time will tell, my dear friend. Thank you so much for stopping by, Jeremy. Really appreciate it. Anything you want to plug before we get out of here? 
No, just uh, keep doing the great work you guys are doing. And uh, I love what we're all doing with the uh, athletic stories and now, uh, you know, adding the podcast element to it too. So um, maybe we'll have to have you guys on. And especially if there's a deal to be had, we will, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be available. Give you, we're, yep, we'll give <laughs> we're, you a buzz. we're available. Also, Jeremy, do uh, Ryan and I are big baseball fans. Do we have to worry about an Olin Arenado trade? Please say no. <laughs> I don't know. That you know, what's another situation that uh, you know they're going to have to pay a pretty steep price to Cardinals if they're going to to make that trade with the Rockies. But it is funny that you ask that because uh, here we are talking about what will Doug Armstrong do at the trade deadline. There are a lot of St. Louis Cardinal fans in this city who would like to replace the Cardinals GM with Doug Armstrong, so that uh, the baseball team will make a big move. So it's kind of wow. funny how that. Kind of goes. Uh, hey, back got and Paul Goldschmidt last year. That was a good, a good get. I mean, it's not like they got nobody. The Cardinals are notorious you know for getting these undervalued players and making them good. I don't get it. Whatever. They really are. But in St. Louis, um, you're king for about two weeks after making the Goldschmidt deal, and then after that, it's like, okay, now what can you do? Okay. It's, uh, this uh, is they traded Shelby Miller for like a prospect, like so many prospect. Pa- I can't get into this. All right, <laughs> Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Anytime, guys. Go team. Hey, we're back. Okay, great interview with Jeremy. He's uh, very generous to come on the show. really appreciate that. And the Rangers are never trading for Chris Kreider. I've decided. The Uh, Rangers. Well, it'd be hard for the Rangers to trade for Chris Kreider. That's true. The Blues are never trading for him either. Um, Let's do some five-star questions. Uh, If you want to leave a five-star question, you can go to our iTunes page. Type in Blue Shirts Breakaway or New York Rangers. Find us. Leave a five-star question. And we will read it on the show. We have a couple this week. A lot shorter than usual. I'm proud of you people. Thank you so much. Uh, this first one is... What, what do you mean, you people? I was just being gender neutral? Mm, I thought you were going to get the reference, but that's fine. Keep going. I, I, I missed it. Sorry. Um, yeah. This you is, disappoint me. Uh, the, speaking of disappointing, this one's from Ryan's imaginary wife. Ryan. <laughs> oh. Ryan, what do you... I like this. I like this. Let's, let's go with this. <laughs> Ryan, what do you call the voice you do in the DraftKings ad? Greg, can you do any voices? Uh... So I read the DraftKings ads like this, Gregory. The whole ads. I, I, I do every Why single do week. I don't know. I got really bored reading the DraftKings ads some weeks. So I like I, – I didn't get bored, rather. The DraftKings ads, they – they're you have to read them verbatim. You can't, like, ad-lib at all. There are other ads like, you know, some other sponsors we get, you can ad-lib. These ones you have to do verbatim. So I wanted to get, add my own spin. So I just started adding voices. They, uh, I don't think I – I mean – I definitely like adjust my voice when I start talking about a certain portion of the Ranger fan base. Like I do, Ooh, what's the big deal? Blah, blah, blah. I think, I do that, I think your I big adjust voice is when you go, is it? Is it? <laughs> that's not me adjusting my voice though. That's, that's you saying something dumb that makes me like revert back to prepubescent Gregory. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, Ryan, Ryan says some country. So I'll be like, is it though? Is it? Is it? I think that's, you, are we sure? I think that's as far as you go for voices. That's yeah, but that's I, that's not me doing a voice. That's me like you make my body do something <laughs> that is not great. So proud for anybody involved. Um, I do a lot of weird voices because I play Dungeons and Dragons and like a nerd. Um, this one's from Brox One Eleven. Hey guys, listen to the pod now. A couple things came up on the subject of the oh, All Star Game. Would an outdoor game make it more appealing? This got no. more to this, but I don't think so. I also the no. logistics for the outdoor game, like people people care about the outdoor game because it's a really cool experience. I mean, this year they didn't advertise it at all. I didn't know it was happening until the day it happened, and the Blackhawks weren't playing, so how would I know, right? But 
I don't think the out, outdoors makes it any more appealing to anybody. I think I think the game has to matter for outdoor outdoor to appeal. Uh, I don't think it. I don't think it makes it any more appealing for anybody, but especially the players. Like you're already getting a hard time to get these players to play in this game. Yeah, Artemi Panarin sat that... on a fucking beach. Okay, he didn't yeah, want to you go. Want, you want to know what's something that's not going to get them to play in this game? Oh, by the way, you have to freeze your ass off for a couple hours now. I uh, not this, happen. to continue this question. I still think they need to change the format for it to truly be successful. We agree. What are your ideas? Uh, what are your ideal returns on impending trades? I think Gregory, you and I can agree on this, which is. A first-round pick and a B-plus prospect. I think anything for more... For Kreider. Yeah, okay, for Kreider. I think uh, Kapanen would be <laughs> phenomenal for Georgiev. <laughs> um, and I think uh, like I would love a third-round pick for Foss, but I think he ends up being a fourth or a fifth. I still don't think that... Like, it, it's weird in my head where I'm just like, I think the Rangers are still just going to run the clock out on Foss. I, 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 I just, see, I I'm not going to argue, but that's my ideal. I, I, I know the Rangers. I mean, the, the Rangers, it's not to say the Rangers don't value Chris Kreider's locker room leadership, but I know for a fact that Faust is admired and adored in that locker room. Uh, and I think the Rangers could look at it just being like, if we're trading Kreider and getting all these future assets, do we really need this extra third round pick for Jesper Faust? Or is it more beneficial just to keep Faust on the roster and maybe talk about, maybe talk about some kind of team-friendly contract in the summer. Like every all the reasons why people think Chris Kreider might not go anywhere, I think those reasons are actually justifiable for Jesper Fast. Uh, he also mentioned, or he or she also mentions that. Uh, the, can you mention any particular players other than Brocco you'd be interested in? Like uh, Captain, obviously, but I don't. I don't really have a particular player I'm looking at. No, I, I wingers. I would love. I need wingers, as many wingers as you can throw our way. Uh, but specific wingers, no. I, I just wingers in general. All the wingers, please. This next question is from Crabby Season. Hey guys, just wanted to get your thoughts on the possibility of Niels Lundqvist making his team, making the team next season, and if that has an impact on management's decision with the defense before the deadline. Um, I quickly met Niels at the beginning of the season. He's like my size. He's still got some growing to do. And yes, I know Kako's 18, but he's definitely a he's definitely a bigger kid. I think Niels will have a lot of adjustment to to make in the NHL and I don't think he'll be over by next year. If he did make it over, I am not sure it impacts We've talked about Tony D'Angelo a lot on this podcast. I still think they move him to his offhand uh on on that side of the defense if that's the case. We'll see how that plays out. I don't think it affects how we we if we're going to trade or not. I, I'm sure Gordon has taken Niels Lundqvist into account, and uh, and we'll 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 execute accordingly with Tony D'Angelo. I, I don't think he'll be over next year, though. I don't think he'll be starting for the team. Yeah, I also just want to caution people who are super excited that young players are having really good years in Europe. Um, we're we're seeing a lot of growing pains with 18 year old Capo Caco, which yeah. should be expected because again, he's an 18 year old playing in a man's league. I understand that Niels Lundqvist is having a monster season in Sweden, but uh, maybe don't base what you think he'll be able to do in North America next year on that monster season alone. I mean, Kravtsov had a really good KHL season and he had a hard time getting going in the AHL. So I just, success overseas is important. It's not like you want to bring over guys that are scrubs, but I think we need to do a better job of, uh, reeling in our own 
expectations for these young pieces. I also, if Lundquist signs an entry-level contract after this deal, I don't expect him to play a single minute in the NHL. I really don't. I really don't I either. think he's, he's going to get – I mean, Joey Keane hasn't even been an option in the NHL this year. He's going to get a full year in Hartford. Rykov hasn't even been an option. So I know part of it is injury-related. But Lundquist, if he comes over, is going to get at least one full year in Hartford. So let, let's just remember that for whenever he does decide to come over. This next question is, uh, I know Anders, this is from uh, Relock03. No, Anderson has been lighting the lightning rod for articles, but is Kraftsoft, how has Kraftsoff been doing in the AHL? And if that roller coaster has stabilized itself. Uh, Kraftsoff over the past like 10 days has like two assists and two goals. Supposedly from everything I've read, there's been no problems and he seems to have bought in. That's all I know. I know that uh, Vince, wrote a, Vince wrote a really good article about him for the USA Today. It seems like he, he got his, head on, he got his head, head on straight and he's, he's ready to play. I think he's just yeah, waiting I know for he his also opportunity. Had a- he had a two-point game this weekend as well. Um, everything we've heard, which again, it's 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 no different than what Vince has heard. It's no different than what everyone has been reading. Kraftsoff is doing everything the Rangers want him to do in Hartford. He's getting consistent top six minutes on a successful AHL team. Uh, even if the points aren't quite there, they, it, it, he's not doing anything the Rangers. The, I, I feel like the Rangers believe the points will come because he's doing everything right. So I... I have no concerns about Kravtsov. I don't stay up late at night dreaming about or hoping that he's doing something differently. Uh, I think everything's going about as well as it possibly could be, all things considered. Agree. This is uh, the last question from Joe M twenty seven. Hey guys, wants to know if you guys think that Kako, Kako, I was almost in a Boston accent. Kako will start turning around his last half of the season. I think the All Star break is just what he needs and will definitely help him. I can see Kako putting up a decent amount of points the rest of the season. Hashtag Kako Revenge Tour. Um, I've watched the, a lot of the stars games tonight on second screen. I turned it off. It's now four two. Um, and I will be watching the rest of it while I edit. Kako has been very noticeable. Um, I think even in the Red Wing games, he was pretty noticeable. I don't know if he'll break out, but he has looked a little faster than he did in the first half. Uh, maybe that's just me placebo affecting myself, but I will say he's been, uh, moral. He's been a little faster to the puck. Now speed is his number one problem. I do believe he's going to need an off season of, hard conditioning, but uh, it'll be the first time he hadn't played. He'll have some time off from hockey since 2018, and that's exactly what he'll need. I'm, I'm not really too worried yet. We've talked about it a lot, but I think this second half will be a really good test for Kako, and I'm curious to see what he does with it. Yeah, I don't even know if he needs to turn it around in the second half in order to learn and grow from the season. I think nothing is going to teach you more about what you need to do at the NHL level um, than experiencing it for a year. And Kako will be the first one to tell you that this year has been the most humbling year one could imagine. Um, it's it's been a slog from start to finish. Boy, the charts I don't think do not like Capo Kako. They, they, I would say they hate him. They uh, hate him. Is but really at, a nice way to that, put it. It doesn't look. It doesn't mean that the the version of Capo Kako we're seeing this year is going to be the version we see of Capo Kako every year after this. It. He still has all the talent that we thought he had that made him the second overall pick. That made him slam dunk second overall pick. Uh, he's, you know, he's three years younger than Adam Fox. Like yeah. he's a baby. I saw some scouts because I, you know, you may or may not know this, but I started the church about Capacaco, and I saw some scouts talking about how it looks like he lost a, a decent amount of speed from when he was playing overseas, and I don't know if that's because the game has slowed him down or he's just tired. 
it could be, be both, dude. Yeah, it could, be, could both. be both. I'm not too he's worried yet. The the caliber of player he plays against in the NHL in the in Liga is not the caliber of player you play against in the NHL. It's not even, it's, it's, it's not even close. It's it's kind of why the best players from that league come to the NHL. It's it's also why we see stuff that Pujeniemi is doing in Liga. And we're still thinking like, well, he might be Jesper Foss. Could like, be a fourth liner. Cool. Yeah. Every, if everything goes according to plan, this is a guy that could have a career. This guy's like putting Jesper up 40 Foss, fucking points right now. We're like, oh, cool. Could play the fourth line for us. Yeah. So it's it's just it's, – it's important to keep everything in perspective. And I think the most important thing you can remember is like the kids – he's just fucking 18. He's literally a kid. Like when we say the kid, this is quite honestly what we mean. He is a child. It's very 18-year-old Greg was a piece of shit in college. Yeah, I was playing Guitar Hero, not going to college class at all. I I, I wasn't anywhere. I mean, I, I'm still a piece of shit. Nothing, but changed. like, I'm at least a more refined piece of shit at the age of thirty. Yeah, I was he's, in Suffolk he's a child, community. Guys. I was in Suffolk Community College. I didn't take the SATs, so there you go. Yeah, he's he's a kid. Yeah, I the fact that he's going to play an entire eighty, almost eight. Well, he's not going to obviously play eighty two game season. He missed some games this year, but he's going to play sixty plus games in the NHL this year. And he's going to have some level of success. Obviously, it's nowhere near the level of success many people thought he would have. Remember when people were saying, like, this is a guy that's going to score 50, 60 points yeah, that was his rookie season. Yep. He's going he's gonna to go. To, yeah, and what was I saying? Like, we'd be happy if he gets 35? Yep. Yeah, maybe listen to Greg every now and then. That's all I'm saying. Uh, what was that about Patrick Mahomes? Oh, awful. Okay. Awful. Okay. <laughs> awful. <laughs> yeah. Better than Mitch Trubisky, though. I've always been consistent about that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> over, under, always, over under how many uh, Super Bowls does Mahomes win? Th- three and a half. Under. It's really hard to win Super Bowls. Two and a half? Under. <sighs> okay. I think, he, I think he gets another. I'll take the over on two and a half. I, I, dude, it's, I mean, I know it's hard. The, it, it, Mahomes it busted a kneecap this year. All it takes is one injury for Mahomes. It's just like, as great as Tom Brady is, I mean, he's got six. As great as Aaron Rodgers is, he only is Mahomes better than Aaron Rodgers, you think? Uh, in the long run? Right now he is, for sure. Uh, prime, well, yeah, right now. Prime, but like, prime Aaron Rodgers? Probably not, but Mahomes can develop into that. I, yeah, but Rodgers has one ring. It's just like, it's really fucking hard. If, if Reed retires, we don't know who the coach is that will come in. After Mahomes, that's fair. That's like fair. there's a, a lot of obs- I, I'm not saying I'm I'm no longer trying to say Patrick Mahomes is awful. He uh, clearly <laughs> is not. Clearly <laughs> is not. Just the and best player I, I, like I would bet heavy money on the Chiefs winning another one during Mahomes' tenure. But two asking anybody to win. I mean, not everyone can be Jimmy G, right? Jimmy G's already got two, baby. All he needs is one more to hit that over. I forgot Jimmy has two. I hate that. Yeah, he's got two. I hate that. <laughs> two times Super Bowl winning quarterback. Okay. Um, quickly, because I wanted to go through this, I think it's uh, fascinating. You posted this is if you listen to this po- hot podcast for hockey. Sorry, bye. Uh, my Twitter's Orion Mead and Greg is at Blue Shirts Break. We love you. See you next week. You posted the 2020 World Series odds uh, from the Bovada this today. Um, the, I did. the Yankees are the. I like how you call it the Bovada, the, as if like, like that is the like, Bovada. Sorry. Is it the? Is it the, the Caesars? Yeah. Is it the MGM Grand? The Bovada. Uh, the Yankees yeah. are favorites by a good amount. Uh, they're at plus three twenty five, yeah. and then the Dodgers come come right after it plus six hundred. Houston at plus seven hundred is kind of confusing. I will uh, say this. I will <clears> say this. I I don't think those odds necessarily take into account uh, a potential trade the Dodgers may be about to make. Two so if you possibly Dodgers possibly to... two trades by the way. Oh what what oh wait what? There's a second rumor that came up that they would if they do get bets 
they will attempt to flip for Lindor. Bets for Lindor? No, no, no. They will get bets. Oh, and then they'll trade like Corey Seager and other uh, things for Lindor. Yes. Yeah, because if you're going to go all in, you might as well go all the fucking way in. Yeah, um, I, I think if you can get the Dodgers a plus 600 right now, it is a nice bet. Yeah, and you know, you know what else is dumb about what you just said? The, there's a scenario where the Dodgers get bets in Lindor and still have Gavin Lux. Oh, and they don't give him up at all. Yeah, he's going to yeah. be their middle, they probably middle also, infielder for like 10 years. They probably also won't give up May. No, they'll I think they'll give up Lind- May for Lindor. I think that you think go. so? Uh, yeah. I mean, the Indians probably hold on, hold out for that. Yeah. But yeah, like they have maybe the best prospect in baseball in Gavin Lux. And they're going to trade for Mookie Betts. And they're going to trade for Francisco Lindor. And you and I sit here today and we go, yeah, they probably can make both those trades. They're going to trade for the second and fifth best player in baseball. And they're going to keep their best prospect. Yep. Dodgers baseball, catch the fever. If we can get them at six to one, I would. Andrew Friedman, by the way. Whatever whatever the Dodgers' odds to win the NL are, I mean, they're probably like the Dodgers' odds to win the NL probably aren't good enough to actually bet on them. As in, like, the money, like, they're probably plus 250 or something stupid. But if you can get the Dodgers at six to one today, before these trades happen, yeah, get the Dodgers at six to one, folks. Oh, man, the other things that surprised me in here, and we'll talk to you about the Angels in a second because I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. The Mets plus the eighteen hundred. What? Yeah. Well, I, I it's twofold, right? It's it's one. You're better. Nobody... You're more odds than the. You're better odds than the Phillies. I find well, that very hard to believe. Well, the Phillies don't have like good for the Phillies to sign Zach Wheeler. Outside of Wheeler and Nolo, the fuck are they doing in their pitching? What's in the starting? What's what's in the bullpen? What's in the rotation, Ryan? That's supposed to scare me. Any any kind of way. What was the former Cub name that's on their team? I guess uh, Jake. Uh, Jake Arrieta. Yeah, Arrietta. The, the league average starting pitcher last year is supposed to all of a sudden become. No, I just still think he's pitcher? you know he's okay. And like he's Joe Girardi is going to add how many wins to this team? It, the Phillies aren't that good of a team, Ryan. Like they're they're fine, but it's a very much incomplete puzzle. I don't think they're. They're, the 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 argument for the Mets is the Mets definitely attempted to get better, right? Because yep. their biggest problem was the bullpen. Mm-hmm. They addressed that with Batances. They addressed that by re-signing Brack. And maybe most importantly, they addressed it by simply not taking Seth Lugo out of the bullpen. And then if your argument is regression back to the mean for Edwin Diaz and Jerry's Familia. So in theory, the Mets bullpen should be better, if not significantly better. Um, the lineup was never a problem last year. And in theory, you're getting anything out of Cespedes, anything out of Lowry, and you still have McNeil, Alonzo, Conforto, Nimmo, fully healthy. Mm-hmm. And then you still have Eno Saris, who is a guy we both love, and by the way, is a member of our The Athletic team. Oh, yeah, that's neat. Uh, four of the Mets starting pitchers ranked in the top 59 in the entire major leagues. Like the Mets starting rotation is still, you, you can still worry pitch? about Rick Porcello every five days all you want. The Mets still have DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, and Matt. And Michael Walker. Like, well, Walker's even, like, the Mets don't need Michael Walker to, to I, start, I know. which is a thing. So, like, you look at this division. The Nationals didn't get better, they didn't replace Rendon. Um, the pitching is always going to be good, but it, like, the Nationals got worse. The defending national, the defending World Series champions are not as good as they were last year. The Braves are trying to replace Josh Donaldson with Marcel Ozuna, and you and I can, I think, both like Ozuna. We do. He's not going to replace Donaldson. That's correct. And at the same time, the guy that they're going to ask to replace Donaldson, Johan Camargo, and then I think Marlins. Okay, you know that we, we talked about that. And now Marlins are a major baseball team 
and the Phillies aren't that good either. So, like, the Mets' argument is you could make a case for the Mets winning the division. Like, it, 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 is it the favorite? No, the Braves are the favorite yes. in the division. But you can get to that conclusion without distorting reality too much. I don't. I think it would be uh, unrealistic to expect it, but yeah, at, at eighteen to one, I think that's a fair odd. I think the I best think they were tied with the Cardinals, right? Yeah, they are odds wise. The best values so, on here are the Twins at plus sixteen hundred. Especially again, that's another one. Whatever the Twins, just to make the playoffs, uh, do that before the Lindor trade, and then because the second second the Indians trade Lindor, the Twins clinched the division. I like Oakland at plus twenty eight hundred. I like that too. Uh, the sure. argument for Oakland is we think the Astros are taking a step back because they won't know what pitches are coming anymore. Yep. Big deal. And, and we just, we really, the poor angels, man. It's no, not even, God. I, I just, I don't know how you can, if, if you're building a baseball team and you have Anthony Rendon and Mike Trout, I understand that like you no longer have to worry about pitching the same way the New York Mets do, but Jesus Christ, can you get one, one and a half starters? They like, have, can you please? They have. I o- love a guy. Otani do and anything. Like, that's it. The, but even Otani, he's not going to be good to pitch. He's still rehabbing Tommy John. Yeah, it's their starting rotation is like Dylan Bundy and Julio Tehran. It's not, they haven't been good for years. It's not good enough. What are you doing? I understand. Like I understand the theory of we're, our offense is going to be good enough that we could win games ten to nine. That doesn't mean you should try to win games ten to nine. Like try to prevent runs somewhere. What are you doing? Yeah, it's. I I, I, feel, I don't understand. I don't understand how you can shell out that money for Rendon and still have the best player of a generation in baseball. And I would be stunned if they make the playoffs. Didn't stunned. Didn't even make an offer to Ryu. Didn't even make an offer. Um, stupid dude. Just stupid. And not just Ryu. Like I, I I get the hesitations with Zach Wheeler, but there were a lot of good starting pitch or even. Dude, I, I, you and I aren't the big biggest Corey Kluber guys in the world, but the Rangers literally all they did was take on the money. Yeah, and if the Angels, if the Angels are out here proving that money is of no concern with what they're doing with Trout and Rendon, then just pay the Indians Dude, the money. I to get I, fucking Kluber. I inquired in Kluber on our dynasty league today, so yeah, I I still a believer. I think it's a real thing. Oh, yeah, all right, I, this has been I, fun. I just, I'm, I'm so confused by the fucking Angels, dude. It yeah. doesn't. It makes so little sense. The Yankees, Dodgers, World Series, all the ratings, all the money for the MLB. There you go. Um, but the the Twins, whatever. Twins to make the playoffs, Twins to win the division. Good bets. Also, sneaky, if you don't want to bet on the Twins, I mean, the White Sox are going to be better, right? Better. I don't know if they're going to be good enough, but they're going to be do way better. you think they're going to be a five, over 500 team? I do, yes. Yeah, I would. Uh, whatever their over-under is on the season, I'm, I'm like, if it... If their over/under number comes in at seventy-six and a half, I will go heavy on the over. All right, we're out of here. We'll be back next week. Um, if you guys have any five-star questions, leave them. We'll hopefully, uh, if there's any emergency trades, we'll do something emergency. Who knows? Love you guys. See you next week. Bye.